Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit TobinBrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. It's made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals at Celebrating Lives. Today, we're joined by a man who might be responsible for one of the most fascinating underdog stories in AFL history. Now, Mitch Morton, he was delisted by two clubs, played 83 games in nine years at the top level, but will always be remembered for his grand final heroics in Sydney's 2020, 2012 Premiership Triumph. And on the eve of another September where reputations will be made, it seemed only fitting that we check in with Mitch, who lived out his dreams on the MCG in that 2012 epic against Hawthorne. Mitch, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, mate. I'm, uh, it's always exciting time of year for me when it gets to September and we get to relive you know some of the memories from from that amazing final series I was going to ask you that how fond there must be enormously fond memories that you hold on to and grand final day 2012 10 years ago how readily do they come to mind to be honest I don't watch a heap of footy during the year just because I I keep pretty busy you know between work and going to the gym and running and, and playing a bit of sport myself you know spending time with my partner and things like that so I don't watch heaps of footy but when September comes around when the serious stuff starts you know I'm glued to the TV like everybody else so um, this is kind of the time of year where I do flick back into to memory mode and start to think about some of those memories that we were lucky enough to create in 2012 for sure. So just on the here and now where do we find you and what's keeping you busy? So I'm in Perth in Western Australia. Um, for everybody on the East Coast, might not know where that is, but um, it's a four-hour flight uh, west. See, so yeah, I'm over in Perth. Uh, I work for a company who import farm machinery called Warringah Distribution. Um, I'm from the bush out in Lake Grace, which is about three and a half hours southeast of Perth. I have a finance degree. That was my background, but didn't really enjoy finance. So I'm actually really enjoying back, being back in the agriculture space because it's a good mix of, of, of my upbringing and, and stuff that I learned from being from the bush and also using some of the skills that I learned at university. So I'm really enjoying being part of that company and, and that industry. That keeps me busy. I'm, I'm trying to play a few games for Lake Grace footy this year, Lake Grace Pinger Up. Um, we made it to the finals, but there's a team down there that's pretty handy at the moment called Noangra. Um, so they they got us on the weekend. They're straight through to the grand final. And we have to go out to a, a country town called Newdigate, which is actually where I lived for the first part of my life and where both my parents are from. Um, so we're playing Newdigate this weekend in a prelim to get back into that grand final, which is exciting because the towns have quite a, a decent rivalry. Um, so it should be a good game. How's the body? How's your durability levels these days? Not too bad. Like I'm always doing something to kind of keep fit, whether it's, you know, mixed basketball or mixed netball or squash, or I, I kind of am pretty active person so i've have found out in the last four weeks that that's one thing to do that and it's another thing to go and play footy and get bashed around so um, i've been pretty sore in the last few weeks playing for lake grace pinger up but i just love getting back there and seeing everyone but um i've been pretty lucky in a sense that i don't have too many injuries which are uh, holding me back from from training and stuff i have a pretty bad shoulder pretty bad knee but other than that i'm pretty sweet so let's talk about 2012 mitch which was the year that's obviously at the centerpiece of your afl career and it, it look it shouldn't be forgotten that 2012 was a tough one i mean you'd been traded by richmond in the off season you played some Something like 18 games in the reserves that year. Really hard to break into that Swan side. In fact, they, I think they lost only six games for the year. Geez, you would have had to have been patient. That's exactly right. And of those six games that they lost, three were in the last four weeks. So they took a side down to Geelong in round 23. They took a side down to Geelong and played four tools in the forward line, thinking that that might be a, 
the setup for the finals and we got pumped by Geelong by 50 points. So I really have Geelong to thank because if we had won that game, then we wouldn't be having this chat. So they kind of changed things up after that. Um, and I came in to apply some forward pressure and do those things that some of the taller forwards couldn't do as well as me. But yeah, I had been patient. I, I was playing pretty good football in the reserves uh, all year. I won the goal kicking for the reserves comp and was full forward or forward pocket in the you know the, te- the combined team of the year from that competition. So I had a pretty good year. I was pretty consistent there and I just couldn't crack in. We lost like, yeah, three games out of 19 or 20. Mm. So, um, and as you know, when they lose one game in out of seven or eight, they're not going to change the side a lot. They're just going to tweak what they're doing from a strategic point of view. So there just wasn't any opportunity. I was playing pretty well. Um, the leadership group wanted me to tackle more and put more pressure on, which took me a while to get my head around. Um, I kind of saw my way of working to the team by kicking goals, but um, I really had to change my attitude with that. Um, there was a point halfway through the year where the coaches wanted me to play, but the, the leadership group weren't that happy with my reserves form from a point of view of I wasn't tackling enough and stuff. So that was a bit of a wake-up call. I think Adam Goods was now in my life quite famously behind that because um, he was one of the ones that was vocal about I wasn't doing enough and sure enough he was the person who handballed me two handballs or whatever and kicked two goals in the grand final so very lucky that we were able to mend that relationship (laughs) it's quite poetic really but yeah and I went away and worked on that stuff really really hard Jared Crouch was coaching the reserves he's a fantastic guy got on really well with him we had a really good team then in the reserves as well we all got on super well so worked on that and then was yeah really lucky to get an opportunity late in the year and come in and um, I was sub so they used to have the sub obviously I was sub for a couple of games during the regular season but my first full game for Sydney putting the jumper on with no vest was a a, the qualifying final against Adelaide that was my first first real game for Sydney starting on the ground and everything hadn't touched the ball with five minutes to go in the second quarter was thinking this is a disaster but I was doing all the things that they wanted me to do so I actually wasn't too worried most of that final series for me was rounding up to the spare because teams would drop a spare back and I'd round up and play a two-on-one um, and just try to you know have an impact defensively but yeah lucky enough with with five minutes to go in the second quarter had a couple of touches kicked a, kicked a nice goal from I think it was 65 out no I'm joking it gets longer every year it's about 50 out and lucky enough to, to kick that and gave me a bit of confidence and kicked another one in the third quarter um, so started to contribute and feel like I was part of it and mm. it was a surreal experience coming into a final series I'd been at West Coast when they were really a powerhouse of the competition uh, my last game for West Coast was around 22 then I think it was around 23 played pretty well on a half forward flank had 22 kick three and got dropped so didn't get the opportunity to play in a final for West Coast um, they went over to Port Adelaide after that and lost Chris Judd came back in that's why I got dropped so that's fair enough but missed out on that opportunity so I was, had been around finals and been around success at West Coast and that amazing team and was just excited to be part of it. It was really surreal. So you've been pretty open, Mitch, with your about your battles with anxiety during your career, and we'll flesh that out a bit later if that's okay. But it but it often manifested itself on game day with vomiting, didn't it? That was that was that was how anxiety revealed itself on the day of games. Yeah, I was probably three or four years old when I started to show tendencies of being an anxious person, and I still am, to be honest. It's something that I'll deal with forever, but I'm pretty at peace with it now. I've done what I can to be able to manage it, and I just kind of live the best way that I can. But playing a state, no, it wasn't state. Sorry. It was development under 14s or 15s. I remember at Claremont Oval, Claremont, and I got to the game. I must have been 14, and I just, I, I could, I just had this feeling I had to vomit, and I did, and that was it. Every single game after that, until probably the last couple of years, I've managed to be able to work out my anxiety and get on top of it. But yeah, every game of waffle, VFL, NAFLE, AFL, preseason training, everything, just constantly vomiting. Yeah, it was really hard, but that's my life, and. That's all I knew. But grand final day was a real battle. I only played 60 minutes of 120, which was okay for me because I'd been vomiting so much that I had didn't have a lot of energy. When I came off the ground, with I think halfway through the last quarter, maybe I only played half of the last quarter. I was absolutely done. 
yeah so i was pretty happy the coaches kind of put, put my little name tag down on the bench and sat me there and the last 15 minutes of the gf i was a spectator like everybody else it was surreal Jeez. on the bench but yeah i gave everything i had and i'm really proud of what i was able to achieve with my career even though i kind of had those issues i don't see it as something that really held me back it was just something that i had to deal with but that's life you know we all have issues lots of people have those sort of issues and there is a way of working through it and coming find, finding peace with it and just doing your best you know it holds me back in a sense in life there's things that i can and can't do but that's that's just my life so on grand on that grand final day it was said or reported at the time that you vomited 10 times pre-game and again at quarter time half time and three quarter time is that right yeah i couldn't even keep water down it was pretty difficult um i hadn't slept at all um the night before like at all not one minute not at all not at all yeah i I kept telling myself i was going to fall asleep it got to about 5 a.m i turned the light on in my room i sat there looking at myself in the mirror and i just thought how the f am i going to do this sat there looking at myself in the mirror thinking what what do I do do I tell the coaches I, you know like I was yeah I was delirious from not sleeping and yeah it was a, it was a bit of a battle but I just knew that I'd be able to contribute in some way and that's all I wanted to do really just be able to contribute and be able to hold my head high that day and know that I'd given everything I had to that cause and did that defensively had five or six tackles and did some good stuff in that regard and to be able to kick a couple of goals was, was a nice bonus Morton has to fish for it still fishing no one's got him and he's hooked up big one yeah, you kicked the two goals. In the fact, they came back-to-back in the second quarter to yeah. put uh, your side 16 points ahead. Beautiful dummy for the second one too, by the way. Brilliant by Robert Thompson. Falling to the ground. Hand pass forward. Inside the 50 by Jack. Socket off the ground by Goods. He can kick a goal as man. Morton puts it through. I joke around that it's the best step in grand final history. So um, we have to talk about that. Stuff um, the tackles, mate. Come on, and, tell us and, about the dummy. And then when uh, and then when people question me, I say, name a better one. I'm open, I'm open to, to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, joking around. I was very lucky to be in the right spot at the right time. And because of the way my feet are and the way I, I stomp my feet, I can't run very fast, but I can actually turn and stop rather quick. So getting to chuck in one of those little shimmies on grand final day was nice. And what about the feeling at the final siren, Mitch, then? Is it a, a feeling of, you know, a whole lifetime work culminating in, in that one moment? And given what you just described, you know, the night before, not sleeping, the... Mm. The trials of the year that was to get to the finals even and to get picked, was it, were you overcome with relief almost? Yeah, it was a weird feeling for me because I was so tired and I'd been pumping myself full of caffeine all day. Um, before the game and caffeine tablets and stuff to try and keep myself as, as as energetic and awake as I could. So I was really, really fatigued. I was quite almost delirious in a sense. And then you start drinking beers and, you know, you're not really thinking about nutrition and stuff at that point. Um, you're not eating the bananas and stuff like you normally do after a normal game, trying to make yourself recover for the next week. So I was a little bit delirious, but it was, I don't know if relief is the word, never really thought about it, but it was just chaotic's a good word for it because yeah. you've got your teammates and you want to celebrate with them, coaches, you know, support staff, all the guys that I'd played with all year in the reserves and stuff as well, trying to share that that moment but i also had 25 people had flown over from wa so we wanted to kind of see those guys and make them you know a part of it because they'd you know put in so much effort to get there and it was a special day for them as well so it was this it's it, it, was a, it was it was relieving it was chaotic it was, it was special it was i was tired it was, it was a really it was a really um <laughs> really weird couple of hours getting used to the fact that i just won an afl grand final which is you know like just a dream come true it's funny hearing you describe that lack of sleep and your tiredness because i saw a youtube video of you being interviewed in the rooms i thought crock he's given him nothing here he must be in shock or something but you're probably about to nod off standing up mate your story is unbelievable congratulations um yeah it's surreal at the moment really is did you ever think that this would happen uh i knew it was a chance but um i wasn't going to let it not happen and just talk to me a bit about that about the journey that you've been on over the past couple of years um yeah i mean it's been tough it's been really tough there's there's been times when i thought you know this sort of thing couldn't happen to me and um, you know, I made a decision 12 or 13 weeks ago that it was going to happen one day.
I was really delirious. Like I, I really like even being on the bench in the last ten minutes. I was so I was buggered. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a really weird feeling after the game. But um, yeah, probably sunk in a bit bit later as we got to relax and um, go to the event later and got to see family and stuff like that. But yeah, really surreal experience, especially for me because I'd only been in the team for a few weeks. Yeah. Just like how's this happening? You know. All makes for great stories at the reunions, which you'll always have, of course. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I make sure that everyone knows I was the important the person that came in that made us win it. I, I joke <laughs> around a fair bit, but no, nah, just really really special to be a part of that group to be able to come in. So late in the year and like i said we had a reunion this year and i got to speak at that which was nice and i got to say that you know the relationship that i have with the sydney swans i was there for two years i played 11 games you know five games in a in a premiership um winning year to have the relationship that i have with that club is really special and unique and i, 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 t- I don't take it for granted i feel really really privileged that that they gave me that opportunity and um every time i'm in sydney you know i feel feel the love from that club and I'll do anything from. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. We're going to go back to Lake Grace and the start of Mitch Morton's journey after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. We're chatting to Sydney Swans Premiership player Mitch Morton. Now, Mitch, for a town with a population of, well, let's say about 1,000 people, well, it was less than 1,000 at the 2016 census. Lake Grace has produced some bloody handy footballers. Bairstow, Fife, uh, Liam Baker, I think you can claim. And then you guys, the three Mortons, which we'll get to your siblings in a moment. I mean, it uh, pumps out some quality players for a small joint. Well, I joke around that there's not much to do in Lake Grace. So if you're a kid, who grew up, you know, in the wheat belt region of, of WA, you know what I'm talking about. You have to make your own fun. So, you know, we'd finish school every day and chuck the school bags down at home, shoes off, and off you'd go. You'd have to go and, you know, find something to do. So most kids in those country towns play a lot of different sports and stuff. So that was what we gravitated towards as kids. And um, Lake Grace is a really unique town. It's a, one of the most unique country towns I've been to. It's just got a really great culture and really pushes people to to follow their dreams and stuff. I know that sounds a bit weird being a, you know, wheat belt, you know, sheep and, and wheat farming community, but it really does have a great culture especially the football club um, they really get behind everyone we're really proud of of, of everything that people push towards and, and, and have, having a crack at their goals so it's no surprise to me that the towns you know had a lot of people go on to to make it you know in the AFL and to have an opportunity to play AFL and obviously most famously is you know is Nat Fife and everyone's really proud of Nat and what he's been able to achieve and we're looking forward to him coming back when he finishes sitting at full forward and winning a couple of grand finals hopefully because <laughs> yes, um, we've also been unlucky in a little bit in the sense like Grace that we've had a lot of people leave to go and play footy and stuff like that which is you know diluted the team at times back there it would have been nice to have us all together to play a few games together for Lake Grace Pinger up um, but yeah really privileged to grow up in a town like that I spent a lot of years in Newdigate as well which is just down the road where, where my father and my mother both grew up on farms so um, two fantastic towns that we still have a lot of links to and connections to and we love getting back there so in your junior days would you have played uh, Nat's of what three four four five years younger than you but do you remember him around the place well he was my next door neighbour so yeah but when you say ne- next door neighbour I mean how far next door are we talking <laughs> no we lived in town so we're right. talking fence 
us fenced fives. So we had a cat named Felix who crossed the fence one day and never came back. So the fives stolen took our took our cat, looked after the cat anyway. Yeah, we had great fun. We had a really unique childhood on we grew up on a street called Elliott Street, which we now call Elite Street because of Nat Five basically. Um but no we had you know four or five different families who had that had kids around the same age and we just had an absolute ball. Like I said, you have to make your own fun. You know, when you come from a, a you know a community like a rural community out in the bush and you don't live on a farm and you don't have motorbikes and stuff like that to muck around with, we're in town, so you have to make your own fun. So yeah. we were always playing sport down the street and playing spotlight at night and running around and getting up to no good. So really, really good childhood. And, um, you know, Nat was a big part of our childhood and I'm sure we were of his. Geez, Elite Street would have been like a never-ending school camp, I reckon, growing up because you had your younger brothers as well, Jared, who made the grade at Hawthorne and then Kale, who made the grade at, at Melbourne. Now, I think you're two years older than Jared, three years older than Kale, so you're pretty close. So what was it? like do you have any sisters in the family three no, boys. just the three boys so yeah three in three years so there's 10 days in january where we're so in this january coming up where we'll be 33 34 35 so all pretty similar ages and yeah growing up me and kale were just sports fanatics jab was actually into cars and wanted to be a mechanic and stuff like that he really didn't decide he wanted to play footy until he was probably 15 or 16 he was probably a little bit more i would say athletically gifted than kale and i jared quite a bit of a different genetic makeup. Um, me and Kale seem to have the, you know, the Irish skin and stuff like that, whereas Jared's got different tan skin and he seems to get fitter faster and, than we do. And um, he's a re- really good runner and stuff like that. So a um, little bit different, but Jared came to footy really late and what he was able to achieve um, was fantastic for him. And um, he had a lot of lot of fun at Hawthorne, made some really good friends there. He's a huge, huge fan of Alice, Alistair Clarkson. So always talking about Clark on what they implemented. So Kale was obviously a couple of years younger than Jared and went as a pretty high draft pick. Kale's, despite what people, you know, thought, of Kale's career, he got pretty unlucky. Kale's had 14 or 16 surgeries, you know, in different parts of his body. And, you know, when the coaches changed at Melbourne at certain times, he kind of under the pump with injuries and stuff like that. And he, he kind of missed that period where we started to value different players for different attributes. You know, I know when I started, everyone had to be tough and in and under and all that sort of stuff, which I never agreed with. I thought a team was, you know, put together of people who had different skills. And he was kind of put under the pump a bit for that, for being an outside, you know, runner and not being an in and under player. And then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, you get guys like Lewis Jetter in Sydney playing on the wing, running up and down the wing and being that perfect sort of player. Kale never really got the opportunity to just do that because people were trying to change the way he played a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's life. That's no knock on anybody else. That's the way things were back then. But you know, it would have been great for him to get an opportunity to play now that we see those sort of players having careers where they kind of play outside and are appreciated for it. But yeah, he was a bit unlucky with injuries. But yeah, Kale's living in Melbourne, still playing country footy out there for Diggers Rest. Won a couple of grand finals and absolutely loves it out there. So um, he's doing pretty well. So so how did your relationship with the game actually start, Mitch? I mean, were you just down there as, as, as soon as you could at under eights or nines or whatever it was, or Oz kick before that? How did your relationship with There's, the game start? There was no Oz kick in Newdigate and Lake Grace in the nineties. So I started playing under thirteens when I was five. Right. Um, so I think I think I kicked a goal in my first game, and then I didn't touch the ball for two years. Just there making up numbers. But I was lucky. There was a couple of really good junior footballers from from Newdigate. Um, one named Ian Lloyd, who um, I'm sure if he didn't go back to the farm, he would have been a fantastic, you know, waffle or AFL. He still plays. He's a bit older than me, but um, he was just my idol growing up, and I just wanted to be like him. So he could kick on his left foot, right foot. So I started practicing left foot, right foot. And you know, we didn't have a lot as kids growing up in the bush. But one thing that you know we always got was sporting gear, footballs, football boots. You know, we didn't have anything fancy, but we we're always able to. Parents would always buy us you know sporting stuff so because it kept us busy so yeah that was that we were lucky in that sense um and then moved to lake grace and lake grace had some fantastic you know men's footballers we moved to lake grace when they were 
a, a really good side, late Grace Pinger up. Um, there's a guy named Kelvin Holmes who's coaching now who played a bit of waffle and I think he maybe even went on to an AFL list for a bit, but really good footballer. There's a lot of other guys coming back from Perth. So I just used to go down there and suck it all up. I loved them. They were my heroes. I loved Essendon and James Hurd, but my heroes were the late Grace guys going down there and watching those guys play. So that was really good. And um, yeah, I think my dad put a lot of time into coaching us and teaching us the basics of football. You know, he used to teach us about having a kit bag and every week you go along and you take this kit bag, not in a, not in a literal sense, but a metaphorical sense of, of the, the skills that you have in the game. So right. he would teach us to go away and practice left foot, you know, for, for days on end so that you can put that in your kick back for the weekend and you go away and you've got your left foot there if you need it game day. So I took that really literally and I just would practice kicking on my left foot until it was as good as my right foot. And I practiced left hand handball until it was as good as my right hand. So as a kid, I was probably more skilled than most kids were at football simply because I practiced a lot. And um, from there, it just grew. I, I never really thought that I was any good at football. I remember getting to state 15s tryouts because you never know how you're going against everybody yeah. else. I'll tell this story. It's a pretty funny one. But um, got to state 15s and I played about 30 seconds, kicked two goals and they tapped me on the shoulder and said, you, you've made it through to the next round. I was like, okay, no worries. That's good. I got to training the next week for our first training session where there was 70 or 80 kids and they were going to cut it down to 25 for the tour. And, and Buddy Franklin was in my state 15 set and I, and, I, and I walked into training on the first night and Buddy was kicking a footy with someone and I thought I'm never going to make this side if that's how good these players are it was but you know how, I didn't know I was going to be the best football player ever I thought that was just what everyone was what, like you, you could tell that just from looking at him with a, I, wa- a bit of kick I, to I kick. walked in and to this day I say it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on a sporting field I walked in and Buddy was kicking a football with a guy named Corey Foote who he went to Wesley College with he was kicking this football and I just I, I was mesmerizing as someone who you know, loved watching different players and learning different things off different people. Watching someone who had that athletic ability the way he was and the way he looks and everything, you know, he's like, he's a showstopper. He always has been. And watching him kick this football, I just thought, oh, there's no way I'm getting into this team. But somehow I managed to, and I was very lucky to play all my representative footy with Buddy. He never really dominated carnivals because um, the way he plays, you know, it probably took him to, to put a bit of muscle on his frame and stuff like that and get a bit bigger and more confident. But he never really dominated the carnivals, but you just always knew that there was something unbelievably special about him. As a footballer, as a human as well. You mentioned your dad. I want to, I want to talk about your father Noel who played I think 170 171 games for Claremont. But you went to boarding school in Hale in Perth, a so life in the big smoke. Now the way you would be drafted under the father son rule had a bit of controversy around it, didn't it at the time? Well, it did from teams that weren't didn't have it set up for them but I mean you have to understand that like you know Essendon and Carlton that have got father son picks they can take back. The Eagles and the Dockers didn't. So yeah. it was and, and, you know, and Adelaide and, and Port. So it was a little bit, there needed to be something worked into it. So there was a rule with the Waffle, if you played 150 games at Waffle, I was eligible for that. Whether that was, I mean, I'm happy with the way my life's turned out. You have to be no matter how your life goes. But I mean, I probably would have gone as a first round draft pick. And I mean, I went as a father son, which meant West Coast gave up a third or fourth round pick. You know, <sighs> How can I say this uh, in a politically correct way? We value things in life dependent, in my opinion, on what we give, you know, what we pay for them, right? So I went to West Coast as someone who they'd only given up a third or fourth round pick for. So mm. there wasn't really, you know, any motivation in a sense for that club to make, you know, to get anything from their money's worth. Whereas when you take someone as a first round pick, you know, people are quite keen to make sure that that first round pick, you know, produces, you know what I mean? So you thought it might have um, counted against you in the long run? Not against me, but I just, I just don't think that, um, I think if I had my time again and I was, you know, obviously I was, I was young, I didn't know what I was doing. I think if I had my time again, I probably would have put more thought into the process of just choosing to go there. You know, there were other clubs who were really interested in me. And yeah, I think if I had my time again, yeah. But that's life. You've just got to look forward. And I was able to achieve you know, my childhood dream with the Sydney Swans and very lucky to be a, a life member of that football club. That's something that I'll, I'll have forever. But in terms of 
you know, being young, I, I probably, I probably would have just investigated more of the process of, of how it was going to work, you know, because what happened was I went as what probably would have been a, a first round pick. So they traded their first round pick for Tyson's thing line in the midfield. I was a midfielder my whole life. I, I played my best football in the midfield, always did. So I effectively gave them the opportunity to trade away that pick for a player to go into that position. Now they were, they were challenging for a, for a premiership. So they weren't thinking about me yeah. trying to develop me at that point in time. But you think about that and, and AFL is a cutthroat industry. You know, one person coming in can impact your opportunities a bit in a big way. Um, so I just didn't look at any of that stuff and I didn't think about it. But if I had my time again, I probably would have put a lot more thought into the strategic, where I went strategically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have some great memories from West Coast. I still catch up with some of the guys and, you know, tough to see them having a tough year this year, but they're, they're a really proud football club and they'll bounce back. And yeah, made some good friends in, in that time. But in terms of the opportunities that are given, you know, like I said before, my last game, I had 22 possessions and kicked three goals and got dropped. I think that I would have, could have got more opportunity elsewhere. Mm. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's fair because they were trying to win a premiership. They weren't thinking about me. But that's something as someone going to a club, you got to think about, you know, am I going to be given opportunities to, to develop and play at the top level? And it was really hard. I was playing really good waffle and just couldn't get a go. So, yeah, that's something that I'd, I'd and even talking to kids now, I'd be thinking about that stuff for sure. You're with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers at Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can find them online at tobinbrothers.com.au. Mitch Morton's AFL career. Well, we might get into it a bit more at West Coast and Richmond after that before his career goes to Sydney. That's up next. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is former West Coast Richmond and Sydney forward Mitch Morton. So Mitch, as you touched on before the break, you, you go father-son to West Coast at the end of 04, and as we were just discussing, you're drafted into a team of immense power, immense depth. The Eagles are flying at the time. In your first two seasons, they make grand finals. I was going to ask you how you reflected on those early days again another lesson in perseverance and resilience and patience there were some pretty handy teammates on on the playing list yeah for sure and it was it's a a double-edged sword in a sense because i couldn't get opportunities but i also had these amazing role models to learn you know how to how to play yourself at a trade like afl football so i learned so much off your ben cousins and your chris judds and your daniel kerrs and your michael brawns and your andrew ambleys your chad fletchers Tyson Stenglines, and that's just the midfield. You know, in my opinion, the best midfield ever. And I feel like I've, I've played a couple of different great midfields, but I feel like that was the best midfield ever. I obviously don't know intimately the 80s and 70s and all that stuff, but just a phenomenal midfield. Um, and to get to see the way, how professional they were and how they went about it, I got to learn a lot. But at the same time, couldn't get an opportunity to play. Uh, my first five or six games of Waffle that year was playing on a wing for Claremont, and I played really well. I was ahead in the Sandover, so I was having a really good start to the year. And then I got a really unfortunate industry, injury someone punched me in the head behind play um, knocked me out really really badly I still got a one inch scar behind my ear and yeah rocked me I didn't play for three weeks and I was on the verge of, of getting a game on a wing half forward for, for the senior team and I couldn't play and it really set me back come back three or four weeks later Claremont were also on top of the ladder going really well in the waffle and they didn't really want to just slot me straight back into the seniors because they were winning and they said look we can play them in the forward pocket I didn't really want to play in the forward pocket because didn't really set suit my, my skills but they put me back in the forward pocket I played on a guy coming back through South Fremantle for Fremantle Roger Hayden all Australian not long before that fantastic player and he absolutely schooled me playing in a forward pocket which I'd never played before 
ever <laughs> against Roger Hayden coming back from a broken leg absolutely schooled me so you know then people started to focus on the things that I couldn't do instead of the things that I could so mm. I wasn't great at chasing and all that sort of stuff because I wasn't very fast you know we do fitness testing and strength testing and running testing it when I was at Richmond I, I was out of 44 players on the list I was the slowest I was slower than the ruckman we had four ruckmen on the list I ran the slowest 20 meter time at every club I went to so people don't know this like I'm very slow but I can turn very fast so it's quite hard to play on someone like Roger Hayden when you're the slowest who's the fastest player on the team and you're the slowest so the skills that I had acquired as a kid which was knowing when to go in and get the ball when to go out when to suck out where to go and you know how to push on into so all those things I, I couldn't use anymore because I was standing in a forward line and I had to all of a sudden just beat someone athletically which I yeah. never had to do because I could use use my nous and my football brains I found that really a really difficult transition period and, and I never got the opportunity to play in the midfield again so I played six games on a wing for Richmond at the end of 2010 really really enjoyed that six-week period it was my favorite six-week period of my career felt like I got to use my skills again in the sense that I just spoke about really enjoyed it and yeah that was it for that opportunity so uh. <clears throat> stuck around played as many games as I could as a forward did my best but you know my attributes you know, never really suited that role. So you traded to Richmond at the end of 07. Pick 35, Richmond uh, gave up to get you. And I imagine at that time you're happy to be traded because you've sanctioned the trade and, and it's a fresh start at Punt Road, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it was. We had a handshake deal. There was a couple of clubs that were interested and I committed to Richmond under one condition. That was that I never play in the forward line. Well, that didn't work out so well. There you go. So we had a handshake agreement. I said, I'll, I'll, I won't talk to any other clubs. I'll commit to you if you promise me that you're playing me on a wing or half back. If you, if you if you can't promise me that, that's fine. I completely understand. I'll chat to some other club and they promised me that. And I moved to Richmond and did a pre-season training in that role. Two days later, they signed Jordan McMahon on a half-back flank. I wasn't overly happy with that. But anyway, rocked up, ready to go for training. And um, it became clear that if I wanted to play, it was going to be in a forward pocket. So that was something that I had to adjust to. And I did. I just, Nathan Brown took me under under his wing. He was absolutely fantastic for me at Richmond in my first year. Um, I don't think I would have played nearly as many games of AFL if it wasn't for Nathan Brown's mentorship in that first year. He told me, taught me some things about playing in a full pocket and I lapped them up and I spent nearly every spare second I had on punt road just practicing kicking goals because he said to me, look, you might only get one or two opportunities a week and you have to make the most of them because kicking one goal versus one point is the difference between being dropped and not being dropped. So I spent heaps of time practicing my goal kicking and stuff. And sure enough, that year I played 17 games and I kicked I think I think kicked 35 goals, seven. 35, so, 16 you kicked. So actually, oh, that year, yeah. yeah. So I kicked I kick pretty straight. I kicked pretty straight. And then the next year, I didn't kick as straight. Um, if I had a kick straighter, I probably would have had a lot better year. But yeah, he really taught me that how important it was to take your opportunities. I was very thankful for it. For, for the opportunity to work with Brownie. He's a really good human being. And yeah, just did my best and then had a good first couple of years. So this is the big build-up for the Tigers. Joel Bowden's run from behind. Here goes the veteran. Over the top to Cochin, who usually uses it well. He kicks to the pocket. Good pass! Morton! He plays on to improve the angle! He's kicked the goal! Richmond in front of Subiaco! Uh, Damien Harwick came in, kind of changed the way we played a bit and stuff. I wasn't as much in the plans for that, but I, I kept trying my best. Um, was happy to play a few games under him and obviously got to play with some of the players that are now Richmond legends, which was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was and I had some good memories there. I played a fair bit of footy and made some good friends and got to play for one of the big Melbourne clubs, which was awesome. Well, 2009, you're the club's leading goal kicker, 41-26. And these are good times, but I was going to ask you how it unraveled so quickly thereafter, but clearly when there's a change in coach, all bets are off, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I did my best to, to fit into the way, you know, Damien Harbick what are just to play and stuff like that. At that point in my life, I was I was really, really struggling with anxiety. I don't use it as an excuse, but it just didn't allow me to fight as hard as I would normally fight 
for something. Physically, I wasn't in the state that I, I, I would have liked to have been in. And when a coach challenges you like that and it makes it known that, you know, you're not exactly in his plans, he wants you to fight for it, which is totally understandable. You know, never had any issues with that. I couldn't. I couldn't really fight as hard as I wanted to because I was kind of struggling a bit. So I did my best and I was really happy with being part of that first couple of years at, at Richmond. And, you know, I love Dimmer as a person and really happy for those guys with the success they've had. And, um, yeah, I was happy to obviously go away and win a grand final. I was also happy when they did. Just on the anxiety, I mean, it's not that long ago. This is 2011 was your last season at, at Richmond. But I feel like we know just so much more about that stuff now. And certainly the clubs are probably more, uh, you know, vigilant around it as well. I mean, how were these sorts of issues, your issues, received in Clubland? Did other people know about it at the club? Were you open about it? Or did you, did you seek help privately? or did you just try to get on with it as best you could? Yeah, I always just tried to get on with it as best I could. I, mm. Probably only as I got older in life that I started to put more time into it and acknowledge how much it was impacting my life. But it was difficult and I think it put a, it did create a, a bit of an issue between me and coaches because of the way that I was. Yeah, I had, I had a coach say to me once, I won't say where it was or who it was, but you know, why would we pick you with your issues when we can pick someone else who doesn't have these issues that we have to deal with? You know, I don't hold anything against that coach and we've made amends since, but... There was definitely friction between between me versus another player because it was probably harder to deal with. Like I, I really did struggle with everything. So I, that's why I say when I look back on my career, I'm proud of what I was able to achieve. I just I never used it as an excuse. I just did my best every day, but probably did impact me a little bit. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you regret not being more open about it? But given that story you've just shared, you probably couldn't have been at the time. Not really, and that's just the times. Yeah. It's just the way things, that's just the way it is I don't, in life. You know, I'm certainly someone that just looks forward, not backwards. And yeah, I was just really happy that I got the opportunity to play AFL, which I wanted to do my whole life. The fact that I played 80 games and not the 300 that I wanted to. You know, we always all want, I'm sure I'm sure there's players that I played with that played 300 that would kill to win a grand final. So, you know, you just got to look at the positives in yeah. life. Really lucky to get the opportunity to have that job, meet all the people that I met. And yeah, I wouldn't change anything. Beautifully said. We're talking to Mitch Morton on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Former Eagles, Tiger and Swans forward Mitch Morton's been our guest today. So, Mitch, the Premiership medal, it's a medal, it's a thing, but but what does it mean to you? I mean, when you look at it, I'm not sure how often that is or how often you stumble back across it. What does it tell you? It's not what it is, it's what it represents, I'd imagine. For me, it's it reminds me of the opportunity that the Swans, Swans gave me. I mean... They could have easily not given me that opportunity when they did to to give me my first full game for the club in a qualifying final is basically unheard of. So to give me that opportunity and to trust me the way that they did, it makes me feel really special that they were allowed me to be part of that. And it just reminds me of all the all the moments that we got to share together in, in that during that final series and especially on grand final day. And I think of all the guys and the, the moments that other people had as well that I got to to watch. You know, when the moments that I was part of, I was kind of in, but the moments that I got to watch, you know, being on the bench for the last bit and getting to watch some of those awesome Marty Matten's tackle and obviously Nick Melcheski's goal and the little things that we all appreciate as players and teammates. It just reminds me of all those moments and, and the special moments that we've been able to share since then, celebrating it and, and, and at the 10-year reunion, which was a couple of months ago, was fantastic. So it just reminds me of that that bond that we all have together and, 
and the whole club in general, not just the guys that played that day, but you know, I had a really fun time in Sydney. With I played a lot of reserves, and there's some fantastic people that I got to play with there, and yeah, really, really special time. So you obviously, as you said, you came on in the sub uh, as the sub in rounds 21, 22, the first full game in the qualifying final. Then you played played the prelim against Collingwood, and then obviously the magical grand final against Hawthorne. And you, you once said, I think, that you said to some family members early in the season that you had a feeling the Swans will be in the grand final later in the, in the year, and that you wanted to do everything you could to be a part of it. What what gave you that feeling? Do you remember that? I just felt that that year there was a feeling even more so than when I was at West Coast. There was just it wasn't no one spoke about it, but I just had this feeling that 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 group that special group were going to be able to do something special just the way they went about it like the, the amount of effort and stuff that was put into everything at the Swans and the professionalism and the way they ran things just blew me away I mean I can't remember exactly but I'm pretty sure we won the first 10 or 11 games like we were going really well early and I just had this feeling and I just thought that they would they would be there at the end of September and I just you just never know I thought if I can keep myself in contention for a spot then you just never know like I mean the way it the way it turned out I I never would have predicted it. But looking back, I don't know. I just always thought that I was going to be part of it if I just kept working and working and working. And yeah, I got really lucky that we lost those last three of those last four games. Otherwise, they would have just charged through with the team that they had. So got really lucky in that sense. And then obviously very lucky that they gave me the opportunity. But all all year, I just kept saying to my father, who's been a fantastic sounding board for me throughout my life and especially my footy career I just kept saying he just kept saying hang in there hang in there just keep playing good good reserves footy and you know we knew they were going to play playing finals and people get injured and things happen and teams lose and they change structures and strategic directions and you just you just got to keep putting yourself out there and it's almost the same in life you just got to keep having a crack at some point opportunities open. so they won their first five your side that year and then they five. they they lost three of the next four then they went on nine match winning streak mid-season yeah and then those little hiccups at the end like you yeah. mentioned but yeah. no one ever wishes ill upon anyone but I think it was a, a niggle or an injury to Benny McGlynn that actually opened the door for you from memory. Yeah, well, Benny McGlynn got injured. Hamstring, maybe, wasn't it? We'll, we'll never know. But it, So I think Luke Parker ended up being sub in the grand final. But we probably will never know what would have happened. You know, John Longmire, because I used to get so anxious, Horse famously told me on the Monday that I was playing. But he didn't know that I was playing because if Benny McGlynn got up, I might have been the guy that went out. But we don't, we'll never know. But So what was he um, thinking with that then? Obviously, to put you at ease, but then if he has to deliver you the bad news, he was willing to do that as well yeah which is which is really just so that i could get some sleep because i was not in a good way after the prelim final i basically didn't sleep all weekend i was so nervous i thought i was going to get dropped um i didn't play very well offensively that day i kicked one point but i had nine or ten tackles and really played my role well defensively so i was just hoping that was going to hold me in, in good stead and then luckily enough in the team meeting on the monday going through the game i think the first four or five clips they showed just happened to be me getting tackling and then us getting a goal so i thought well i'm a chance here you know it wasn't long after that that horse had said you know how are you feeling ready to go this week you know, just do what you did on the weekend, just tackle and that, everything else will come. He, he also said afterwards that he had no idea whether I was going to play or not. And he just wanted me to relax a bit and be able to get through the week. So it was, it was pretty special that he did that. And I'm a pretty reasonable person. If, if it had to come to the point where, um, you know, I wasn't selected, then um, that would have, you know, I would have supported the team in the best way that I could. I'd already done that at West Coast for a couple of grand finals. And, you know, now I know how much the guys that aren't playing are a part of that. It would have just been good to be there anyway. I don't think I've ever asked anyone this on this show, but you're 35 now. We're going back to when you're 25. And what advice would you give to your younger you if you could? Oh, that's a very, very good question. I don't think there's any. I think that's life. Yeah. Life, Life's always really easy when you're looking in the rearview mirror, but unfortunately, you've got to keep your eyes on the road, don't you? So you've just got to keep going forward and making the best decisions you can with information that you have at any point in time. But yeah, sometimes life, I'd probably say to myself sometimes life is hard footy career is not going to be a a buddy franklin type career but that doesn't mean that there can't be magical moments in it and i guess that sums up my career i had a pretty tough career in the sense that 
I didn't play every week. I played a lot of reserves, but I also got to meet a lot of people playing reserves and a lot of good people. You know, I played at Coburg for two years with Vance Joy, who the singer. So what a, what an unbelievable thing to say. What? I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he played at Coburg. He's, he's a really handy footballer. Yeah, James Keogh, really handy footballer. It's good for the functions um, too. Yeah, and a, and, a really, and a really nice guy. So, you know, that, that my, my, my football career is littered with those type of moments where you know, I got to play with, I remember getting to Richmond and to train and play like, with Matthew Richardson. And, you know, I used to go over because my one of my, distant relatives was a, in the Richmond administration team and he'd take us in the change rooms and I'd get to go and I'd see Matthew Richardson from a distance and all of a sudden I'm having coffee with him in Melbourne. I've got so many moments through my career where that, that stuff, sort of stuff happened, but pinch me moments. And I got to play with, you know, Chris Judd, um, Ben Cousins, you know, Brownlow medalist, Adam Good, Dustin Martin. So I got to play with some unbelievable players and get to know them personally. And so that would be my only advice is, you know, sometimes life's hard, but there's still moments in it that you can cherish forever. Mitch, thanks so much for joining us today. Your journey is probably the epitome of resilience and persistence. And the fact that you've got that pre- precious premiership medal to show for all the tour such a magnificent thing to have what a reward that is well done on everything you achieved and, and how you achieved it as well and thanks for sharing it with us today thanks for having me it's been awesome and thank you for joining us also you've been listening to this is your journey for tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey it's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.